0: feel worthy to preach today. If you in the first two rows, I'd move away because I told God to hit me with a lightning bolt if he wanted to. Because I've been frustrated with God. <clears throat> Some things took place this week that I <clears throat> was encouraged to encourage this man all week long. And I assumed there was going to be a different outcome, but there wasn't. So I've been challenged by God. And I've been challenging him as to why it took place. And I don't understand. And I use the words like, I'm angry with you. And I want to quit the ministry. And I've had it. And this makes no sense. And I have to preach this dumb thing on forgiveness. And I know that I need to ask forgiveness from God for my thoughts. And it'll be a process. <clears throat> And a lot of us go through that process. So I think it's legit that I share that with you. I could have held it in and not shared, but man, how many of us have been frustrated or angry with God from time to time? And there's a process to dealing with that. And there's a process to dealing with all this forgiveness we're talking about with other people also. And so we do that together. And we do that with God and with the Holy Spirit's strength. But let's be honest with you right now, my truck almost didn't start this morning. And I thought, good, don't start. I'll just call Tim and he'll have to jump in and fill in because I almost didn't want to. And that's not like me. 21 years saved and I've never thought these thoughts. But dang, it's tough. So I apologize. I'll get focused here. Just a quick review of last week. We talked about the definition of forgiveness. It's to stop feeling angry. The end. <laughs> yes, that's it. <laughs> He's got such a sense of humor. I'm, I'm angrier right now because i got to do this. <laughs> you ever get angry and you don't want to let it go? You almost want to hang on to it because you feel so justified in it? That's where I'm at, so I don't even like reading this. So stop feeling angry or resentful towards someone for an offense, a flaw, a mistake, or to cancel a debt there's a greek word and i can't necessarily say it right it's a p h i e m i that's the greek word for forgiveness it's it's meant to leave to send away to desert to abandon even to divorce and so when we're talking about this idea of forgiving other people we come to the realization that we're talking about leaving that behind letting that go that offense that we have or that against somebody we need to let those things go to send it away from us to get away from us to desert it to abandon it to even to divorce ourselves from the idea that we have the right to keep holding on to that and i really the holy spirit speaks to me so often especially in the last few hours is how easy it is for us to say that i don't have to give that up i don't have to surrender that i don't want to forgive But the point is, is we have to forgive that person. It doesn't mean we, we say the offense, what they did was okay, because it probably wasn't. That's why we felt that way. But it doesn't matter. We have to be able to surrender these things. And so the cross is a symbol of forgiveness. In our discipleship course, we're talking about if our path comes in cross with Christ's path, we have to take whose path? Christ's path. And so when you look at the cross, and I guess I figure the smaller arm is me, and as I go across in this pity party that I'm in, I come across Christ's path. Now I can either choose to push right through it and bull right through it and continue in my pity party and my right to feel angry, even at God. Move away from me, I'm just saying. Or I turn and I go with Christ. Christ. Now, there are things about forgiveness that Christ says that we have to do. We talked about that last week. He says we must forgive. The definition of debtor, just to remind yourself, is a person or an institution that owes money or something to somebody. Now, we talked about it in the moral sense, the spiritual sense, indicating the obligation of a righteous life in which we are called to for God. So God has forgiven us and we've accepted that forgiveness. If we've said that, we've now come into a contract, a binding contract with Christ to say, I will accept and receive what you are giving me, that great gift of forgiveness, but now you call me to live a righteous life. You expect that I will live a life that is worthy of that forgiveness. And too many times we talk about that free gift, and I just got to go over that again. We say the free gift of salvation. Well, yes, that part of it is free, but that comes with an obligation of we will live a life then that's fits what he wants us to do, how he wants us to live, how we, the choices we make or don't make, all these different things. There's an obligation to do that with Christ. If we're going to be his followers, his disciples, or if we believe in him and want to live for the gift that we were given, we're debtors to him. In other words, we're in debt to what he has done. So if you guys are thinking, well, I accepted Christ, so it's just a free ride, I don't have to worry about how I live or act, go into the Bible, you'll find out that you're wrong, 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 That he has a way that he wants us to live. That he has precepts and commands and he has things that we need to do and now he talks about you know, we need to give all of us and we've talked about that swear word all for me because it's a struggle to say I will surrender all even this feeling I have towards him in the last day I need to surrender that but there's also some alls in the Bible where he will forgive us all our sins that's a good all or he'll provide all our needs that's another good all now, we finished up in Matthew, or Matthew seven, twenty one to 23. It was page 12 of, of the notes that I had. I got 24 right now. So It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the what? The will of my Father. He who does it. He who does the will of my Father can enter heaven. Those of us that don't or those of us that choose not to or those of us that continue to live a lawless life will not. And so if you've ever had the thing where I come to church every Sunday and that's just good enough, it's not good enough. And I'm probably known as the pastor that keeps hammering on the point that we need to get serious with God because he's very serious about us. And I know sometimes I probably get a little bit too harsh, but I tell you what, the Holy Spirit keeps drilling into me the idea that we need to understand that there's an importance here and a way to live here and a desire that he has for us here and that we need to live that way. So when he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, how many of us have called out and said, Lord, Lord, or we've listened to the songs or sang along with the songs or we've showed up? I, we used to have a gentleman in Rapid City that would come and he'd say, it's my 430th Sunday in a row. But his life didn't look like he'd, he'd missed the most of them. He sat here, but he didn't absorb what it was. We talked about an athlete who, who can talk a good game. Man, I tell you what, I could go try out for the Vikings, but guess what the words Try out. In other words, just because I go there and say I'm fantastic, I should be your quarterback, and they'd look at me and say, I don't know about a quarterback, but they want to try you out. They want to have a tryout to see if you're qualified to do what you say you're going to do. So Christ tries us out from time to time with trials, or he tries us out with uh, opportunities to serve. The Holy Spirit speaks to you about moving in this direction or helping with this person or whatever, and will you do those things? It's kind of like a tryout. Not everyone who talks about heaven belongs to God's kingdom. But again, we're in debt to him. I wrote down, we're in debt to him, a servitude of of living Christ-like. That we need to live the way that he wants us to live. We, We have to repent. If we don't repent, it's like we stop making the payments. We talked about that if we stop making our payments to God, and again, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that our works... Or anything like that. I'm just saying we're indebted to him. If we stop living the way he wants us to live, that we could be repossessed. Remember that last week? You look up the word possession, it says somebody takes something back. And if people quit living for Christ and fall away or backslide or whatnot, oftentimes you'll see where they go back to the old way of living, the old lifestyle, the old man comes back alive. So I was reading about the parable of the four soils because oftentimes uh, that's been preached on and I began to kind of just look at the soils and how it relates to forgiveness or whatnot or how it relates to this idea of, of ending up in heaven or being all that God wants us to be. And so it talks about four soils. The first one is the seed that falls by the wayside. If you remember that, it just falls by the wayside. They hear the word, but they don't understand it and there's nothing that really ever takes place. And the second soil is the seed that fell on stony places. So immediately receives the word, it begins to grow roots, but the roots are very shallow, and so when the drought, when troubles, when trials come in life, they dry up rather quickly and wither away. We probably all know somebody that came to the Lord one night and they're just all on fire, and we see them that Sunday, and we say, can't wait to see you next week, and we never see them again. Or they're kind of excited about Christ, but then life comes back in, the life that they're living, the life that we all live, and all of a sudden they fall away. The third is the seeds that fell among the thorns. They they grow up, they begin to grow, but the world, the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of the world choke them out. If you've ever uh, watched thistles, they grow quite well. You never have to plant them. You never have to water a thistle. It grows quite well. It's the... The gardening things, it's the grass, it's all those that you need to take care of. So here we have something that's growing, but it gets choked out by the cares of the world, the, the worries and the deceit, the idea, I can't come to church anymore, I've got to make more money, I'm buying this new truck, whatever it might be. And that's the last soil, the seed on good ground. It hears the word, it understands it, it bears fruit and produces a hundredfold—some sixty, some sixty, some thirty. See, not all ground is good ground, is it? And so oftentimes we read that and we say, well, you know what, I I must be the good soil, but we'll know the good soil because it produces fruit. Fruit in your life and fruit in others' lives, and all the fruit is for the king and the kingdom. So we begin to look at what soil are you? Because we come to realize that when he says not everyone could enter the kingdom of heaven, we realize that all these soils all had different uh, interactions with God, but at different levels the turnout began. Some had lots of fruit. Some had no fruit whatsoever. So we need to forgive. If you remember in Colossians 3, we won't go there right now, but Colossians 3, it says that Christ forgave you, so you also, what? Must. Must forgive. So if you're out there struggling to forgive today, I think a lot of times, again, it's because we feel we have the right to hold on to it. When somebody hurts us, we, we, we have the right. I mean, you can't blame me for being angry for what took place. But you know what? You need to set that aside. It's not as much about you forgiving someone else, although we're called to do that. We must do that. Not kind to do that. You should do that. You know, if you ever decide you'd like to think about doing that, it's none of that. It's must do that. If we are struggling with that, then we come to realize that, you know what? Forget about you and that person. You need to forgive them because Christ called you to do it. But how about do it between you and Christ? Because you say, I must, and I will obey you, Lord. I will forgive that person. And I will find joy and peace in that forgiveness, not necessarily from them, because you can't guarantee you're going to get it from them, but I'll get it from you because I've obeyed you and I've honored you. See, if we'll take our human nature stuff out of it sometimes and look to Christ and say, I'm looking to you for that peace. I'm looking to you for that love and that joy. I'm looking to, for you to the contentment that comes out of forgiving, then I'm going to be okay. I'm going to receive that. I'm going to sense that. I'm going to feel that. But I can't guarantee that when I go ask forgiveness from someone or I go to forgive someone that I'm going to receive all that from them. So if you're looking for them to somehow give you this gift... It may happen, but it may not. And I'll guarantee you, if Satan has any say about it, he'll get them to not do it how you wanted it done. Because, see, if I say, okay, there's Shane sitting there. If I say, you know, Shane, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forgive him for something, but then he better say, you know, by golly, it was so wrong what I did. And, you know, I've got to tell you all this other stuff too, Brian. i just got to tell you, he might not. He might shrug his shoulders and walk off. And now I'm still mad, and I'm still, now I even hate him more, and I don't want to forgive him at all, because I tried, and he didn't meet my need, my expectation. It's a setup to fail. But if I look to Christ and say, you've called me to do this, and I love you, and so you say I must, then I will. And now I'm victorious in Christ. But too often, our flesh gets in the way. Too often, we wear our feelings on our sleeve. I shared with Cory Tenboom. Boom. Tenboom went to the uh, uh, concentration camps, was there, survived it. She was giving that speech, and she was giving a speech about forgiveness, lo and behold. And at the end of the service, she was back shaking hands with everyone in there. A few people back was the gentleman that was a guard that used to mock them and, you know, Google at them when they were naked, getting deloused making weird, horrible gestures and whatnot. And she said, God, I'm not forgiving that guy. But by the time he got to the front of the line, she had already said, Lord, forgive me for not wanting to forgive. So Lord, forgive me for not wanting to forgive you because I don't understand what took place this week. And you know what? That was just easier for me to do than it was 15 minutes ago because somebody's been preaching to me. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Boo. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get this, guys and gals. The Lord's prayer says what? Forgive us our trespasses as what? How many of you like that standard? Lord, forgive me at the same level I forgive them. Does that change your thoughts on forgiveness towards somebody? It should. If I'm going to hold resentment towards them, Lord, I guess I want you to hold it towards me. If I forgive them 1%, not 99 not 100%, then, Lord, I expect you to just forgive me 1% also. Who wants that? Like I asked last week, how many of you are glad I'm not God? Man, you guys live a miserable life. I want to go to Matthew 18, 21 to 35. This is what we were getting to last week. It's the parable of the unforgiving debtor, and it's, it's fairly long. We're going to try to bust through. If I follow my notes well, we'll go a couple, three verses at a time, but there's a lot of nuggets in here that we want to be able to walk through and share together. So verses 21 and 22. It says, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? And then he says up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Okay, I, I, when I was doing my research, it said the rabbis often said three times. Uh, they kind of had this three time three strikes you're out kind of thing. But Peter, I guess, knowing Christ and knowing that he was a forgiving God, says, How about seven times? How about seven times, Lord? And then he says, 70 times seven, you must forgive your brother. How many is that? That's 490. How many of you got clickers at home with your wife or husband? You're approaching it. I'm going to blow so bad here and I'm a few more times. Right? He means you have to constantly forgive as long as they're repentant, as long as they're asking forgiveness, you need to forgive. So you say, well, that's a lot of times. Man, 70 times seven. That's a lot of times. I got to take my shoes off to count that high. But how many times has God forgiven You? in a week, in a day. That same love that he pours out on us, he asks us to pour out on others. Man, I tell you what, that's a challenge, isn't it? I mean, I grew up with my brother Brad, and I I don't think, he had thousands of times (laughs) through the years. I probably had two. No, that's (laughs) probably not true. (laughs) Luke 17, verses 3 and 5 says this. It says, Take heed, meaning pay attention to or take notice of to yourselves. If your brother sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. You might as well say you must forgive him. Our intentions need to be to forgive. But how many of us, if we're honest, just say, you know what, if someone keeps doing that, I'm not going to want to forgive them after a while. I'm going to say I don't think they really mean it. How many of us don't mean to sin today or tomorrow? Yet we have a Heavenly Father that says, if you'll repent, I'll forgive you all your sins. It's not a double standard thing taking place. The Bible says we're to be Christ-like. So if we're Christ-like, that means we act like Christ. That's our goal, is to imitate Christ to other people. And so if he's forgiving us that many times, if we come before him, and it's thousands in a lifetime, millions maybe in a lifetime, he says, do the same for those that come in contact with you. Be Christ to them. Be Christ-like to them. But our flesh hates that idea, doesn't it? We don't want to do that. Three times is plenty for some people, we figure. Yet we always want forgiveness. I I, I got to share the story again about just driving. I mean, I, I, it happens to me all the time. Maybe it doesn't to you, but uh, you know what? If someone pulls out in front of me or, you know, does something crazy, and I don't don't make gestures to them. I don't say you're number one. (laughs) But I get frustrated with them. It's like, come on, what's going on? Didn't you see me? You need glasses? And then I do the same thing two minutes later. I'm like, what's the big deal? I didn't mean to. Man, we forgive ourselves just fine. Double standard stuff. We're called to forgive. Christ forgives us. If we're going to accept his forgiveness... It has to go out from us. It has to happen. We can't hold it in. If you're a Christian, a believer in Jesus Christ, sitting here today with unforgiveness, I get it because it may have been something horrific years ago. It may have been something so tragic, so difficult, that I don't understand it. I can't say that I can you know, even understand, maybe, possibly. But the point is, is you must forgive. The Bible says that we can do all things through Christ, right? Who strengthens us. Man, if you go to God and say, God, I can't forgive that person, he's going to pat you on the back and say, you're absolutely right. But with me, you can. And the only way we're going to do that is to grow strong in Christ. If you have a shallow relationship with Christ, you're going to have a shallow ability to forgive or to obey him because he doesn't mean that much to you. And so as we grow in our relationship and the understanding of the gift that he's given us, if we value that gift enough, we will value then serving him, that indebtedness that we have towards him. We'll want to be part of that. We'll want to carry that love to other people. Yet it's a struggle. I won't stand up here, and I don't believe Tim will stand up here and say that it's just, oh, this is all so easy because our flesh gets in the way. If it was so simple, he wouldn't be saying that we must do it because we'd automatically do it. But he says we must do it, and you shall do these things. So if you aren't doing those things, you're being disobedient to God. And we just read where God can't forgive you. It's a struggle. Again, 490 times. Man. I just want to do a side note here. I was thinking of this as I was going through this this morning before I came in, which I was hoping my truck wouldn't start and I'd call Tim and wouldn't have to do this. In today's society people are so easily offended. Have you noticed that? I mean, uh, what's the what's the song, the Christmas song about uh, it's cold outside, baby it's cold outside? Apparently that's raised quite a ruckus lately because it's man pushing his wants on this woman and she apparently felt that she had to succumb to him. I mean, she's singing the song with him, but apparently that doesn't mean anything. But what we say or how we live offends people. People are so easily offended these days. They're being taught to be so offended so easily. So expect to be hearing that you're offending people, especially if you're walking in the faith. How offensive it is. You're offending me because you're saying how I live my life or the choices I'm making are wrong to you. You just tell them, you know what? I surrendered my opinions long ago and gave them to Christ. I'm just telling you what my Savior says. You got a problem? Go to the cross and talk to him about it. Just be aware that you're going to be told you're offending people in very many, very many ways, simple ways, ways that you can't even understand, ways that seem ridiculous. And so we will offend, and you might need to ask forgiveness from time to time, but I think you need to stand on God and the word of God, and there's going to be times that you don't need to apologize, but do it in a way that's nice. Share the truth without offending them or share the truth and say, uh, you know, I just want to let you know this is what the truth is. I don't mean to to judge you. Christ is doing that just fine without me. So this whole idea of forgiving people, but also we need to sometimes ask forgiveness. Which one do you think is harder? Depends on us. How many of us like to admit we're wrong? Do you think I like to come up here and say I've been angry with God? Oof, duh. Proverbs 19.11 says this. The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger and his glory is to overlook a transgression. See if we're Christ's children then we have to be strong enough in Christ to not be so easily offended by those that don't know Christ and say things or do things that hurt us or seem hurtful because they don't know any better. They aren't Christian they aren't believers they aren't caring about what the Bible says or they're not caring about how the Bible says we should live or they're not caring that we have a feeling or that we have thoughts and ideas about how Christ is living in our life and we want to share them or we want to live as Christ has called us to live and so they might say things or do things that are that are are offending to us yet we're walking in the strength of Christ Christ should have been offended constantly in his walk In fact, when they came to arrest him, he had all the right in the world to be offended by them horribly, and he actually healed the man that the, the ear was cut off of. I mean, he goes then and then some kind of God. And so we have to be checking ourselves, because it's our flesh that reacts to people that offend us. It's our flesh that's reacting to that. And so if we're allowing our flesh to react to everybody and that we're getting mad and angry quite often because they're saying this or they're doing that, you've got to check yourself with God because you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to control that. You don't have that Holy Spirit filter that takes this stuff in and says, you know what, that's a non-believer. I'm not shocked that they're saying those sort of things and so I have grace and mercy towards them. Anyone ever show you grace and mercy when you made a mistake, when you didn't know any better? How many of us, when we started a job, made mistakes at first till we got it figured out? The first mistake, usually they don't say you're out of here, unless you're flying a plane or pilot. (laughs) That's a big deal. But if you're in the widget factory and you don't make widgets quite right two or three times, hopefully they say, you know, this is a learning moment or this is something that we need to change. Show people how you want to be treated by how you treat them. He says that we must forgive. I tell you what. If you walk away with nothing other than Brian was angry at God today, it's that you must forgive. No matter how long you carried it, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how horrific the thing is, we must forgive. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but who? Christ living in me. We need to see that. That should be coming out of us. We should be looking like Christ in our actions. But therein lies a struggle again. Even when we were sinners, Christ died for us, the Bible says. Hmm. Let's go on to verse 23 to 27. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle, oh, I'm, yeah, settle accounts with his uh, servants, and when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. That's a lot of money these days. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be s- He be sold, his wife and his children, all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have uh, patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him that debt. I I was researching what talents are and whatnot, and it's pounds and pounds of gold and different things. You, You Go in and look in Google, you can find a hundred different variations of it. But what I came across was somebody that said, let's forget so much about the value, but let's just talk about kind of like the hourly wage of how you would make this payment. Okay, so now he's got 10,000 talents and later on we're gonna hear about 100 denarii and here's what he says. He's talking about the wages that you would have to deal with. He said 100 denarii, that was one day's wages for six days a week worked and if they worked 50 hours a year, that would be 300 denarii. So 100 denarii is worth four months of your wages. Let's say four months of your wages would be 100 denarii. So if you worked each year and earned 300 denarii, after 20 years you will have earned 6,000 denarii. So you'd go to the king and you'd say at this point, he'd say, congrats, you've you worked 20 years, you got 6,000 denarii, that'll pay back one talent. You only have 9,999 more talents to go. Take 200,000 years at that rate to pay the difference. So, what's he saying there? It's like seven billion dollars. He's saying that that debt that we owe Jesus Christ, we can't pay. And how dare we say that? Oh, I'll pay you back, God, because it's impossible to pay Him the debt that we owe because of our sins. And so if we fathom that and say, you know what? It's something that we cannot take care of. We can't work it through. We can't sing it through. We can't pray it through. We can't dance it through. We can't do anything. We can't eat our way through it. It's a gift that only comes from him, and it's impossible for us to pay. Yet he paid it for us. And that's what it said. He forgave that man. He forgave us. So if you understand the first part of it, it's saying, you know what, I am the, I'm the king, I'm the creator, and because you owe this debt, I, I want you to pay it, and I know you can't. And so I'll go ahead and forgive it for you. Now go and act the same. I mean, if you were given that kind of gift, if you were given $7 billion, Raymond, I, and someone owes you $100, bucks, I, I would hope you'd say, you know what, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I've been forgiven so much. Big deal for the petty thing that you owe me. Yet we read on. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. Come on up here, Raymond. I want gra- no, I won't do that. <laughs> Today I feel like it would be dangerous. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Same thing. He said the exact same thing. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant just as I have pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. Might as well jump to the next one. I'm, I'm probably throwing you off. Verse 35 says, So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. If that doesn't rock your world, if you're holding on to unforgiveness, if that doesn't shake you to the core and actually cause you to have reverent fear for God to realize that you have no right, no ability, no giftings, no, no nothing to say that I won't forgive you because I've been forgiven myself. That's gotta challenge you. You've gotta hang on to the idea that we can't say that I can do this thing or I don't have to do this thing. You do, you do, you do, you do. Of all the people in the world, Christians should be the greatest forgivers. We should be an example to those. Prayfully they come to you and say, I don't even deserve it, but I just wanna talk to you about this and you say, you know what? It's forgiven. Several years ago, I was having a burger at a restaurant. Shocker, right? And I go out to my car, and it's like shoved about 14 feet over with a huge dent in the back end, and nobody there. So I went in and, of course, finished my burger. Couldn't just leave that. And pretty soon the cook came out and said, I saw who did it. And I said, well, who did it? She didn't really want to say, and I said, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to get after her. I just, I, you know, I want to give him a call. I want to find out, because they hit my car, and they took off. That's not right. And so she gave me the name, and I was calling, trying to get a hold of him, and he wasn't home yet. He was probably still driving his truck that he smashed me with uh, on his way home, and she said, why are you so calm? I'd be furious. The guy hit and run and took off. I would be so furious, and I said, you know what? It's, it's just a car, It gets me to point A to point B. I said, I want it fixed. I think it's right that he would fix it, but it's nothing to get crazy about. So I got a hold of the guy, and then he, of course, oh yeah, yeah, I was going to try to get a hold of you. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) And so then it took forever. So I had the car fixed, and then it took forever for him to pay that other gentleman. And I felt obligated because that guy said, don't worry, I know the guy, he'll give me the money. And it was weeks and weeks later he hadn't, and now I wanted to get this unforgiveness again and say, you know what, I, I showed you mercy, and now look at what you're doing. But you know what, it was Christ that showed him mercy through me, and I've got to turn that over to Christ. I don't want to hold on to that offense. That man that had the money coming wasn't upset. He was saying, you know, I know the guy, he's kind of slow payer, don't worry about it, but yet I wanted everything to be done just right. And I, I have the right to do that, I guess, that's the word right. But you know, with Christ, I was able to deal with that so differently than I would have prior to knowing. Prior to knowing Christ, I might have found that guy's truck and smashed his and drove off. Nana, Nana, Boo-Boo, right? Anyone ever do that in your life? You feel obligated and, and have all the opportunity in the world to go out and treat someone poorly? I was reading and someone wrote this. They said spiritual indebtedness is not literal but figuratively. When we choose to live in the flesh rather than walk in the spirit, we fall short and become a spiritual debtor. In other words, Christ has called us to a certain level. We say we'll do that. Romans 12, 1 says Paul writes this. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service reasonable service he's saying you know what all that you receive from god and he's asking you to do these things back isn't that that's reasonable isn't it that's reasonable it's reasonable (laughs) last week we mentioned that somebody might say well god i owe you a debt of gratitude man i owe you a debt of gratitude for that gift well that's true but gratitude is just being thankful which is good but all you're really saying is, God, I, I, I'm thankful for the gift you gave me. But what he's saying is, if you're thankful, then I'm going to see it in how you treat others. I'm going to see it in how you live your life. I'm going to see it in how you live your life. So when Paul says that we're, you know, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, then I've got to sacrifice me. I've got to pick up that cross. The Bible says, you know, if you'll pick up and bear your cross, we talked about that on Wednesday, bear your cross, the word bear means to carry. Sometimes it's a heavy load to be a Christian. Sometimes it's hard to carry the cross as Christ wants you to carry it because you want to throw it down and punch the dude. I don't want to carry a cross. But if you're going to carry yourself or the cross and you can only carry one thing, which are you going to choose? Because flesh wants to rule. Flesh is always at battle with us. But he says, pick up the cross, bear the cross, carry the cross, and follow me. Follow me. Follow me. You ever play follow the leader? That's what he's saying. Do what I do and say what I say and live as I live. Hear my words. Song this morning about Holy Spirit speaking to us. And if we'll listen. But we have to build stronger relationships with Jesus Christ to overcome these hurdles that we're talking about today. Because if you won't get closer to Jesus Christ, if you'll just walk in your own flesh, you'll never choose to do it. And it says it's got to be from your heart. So again, I'll use Shane as an example. If he does something to me, or, and, and I say, well, you've got to apologize. And he says, I'm sorry. There, he said it. Oh, it feels good. I know that was from his heart. <laughs> Remember the Bible says that he doesn't look at the outward appearance, he looks at our heart. 1 Samuel 16:7. It's one of the verses that rocks me all the time. Because he looks at our heart. What's your intention with what you're saying? What's your intention when you say I'll, I'll forgive you? Do you really mean it from your heart or are you just saying that because Brian says we must forgive or so yeah, fine, whatever. Yeah,